Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. of Jesus. I want you to think about the pictures of a child, pictures of a child growing up through the years. Now, when I was in high school, I would go over to my friend's house, and his parents had a large picture frame containing a a circle of pictures of their children, or really of each child, over the years, right? So it was like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, you know, all the way as, as he aged. Now, I always envied that, and I thought, I wish my parents had that picture of me, of me growing up through the years. Anybody have one of those? You seen one of those? You know what I'm talking about? I thought that was so neat. Uh, I really, really thought that was cool. But my friend wasn't ultimately defined, right, by just one picture. He, he was defined by the complete picture. Last week, I began the sermon by talking about a piece of artwork that I was drawn to that that pictured Mary and child, and it had some other saints, and it led me to research the saint and talk about the the anchor hold. But when you study religious art, there's actually a large quantity, all right, Miss Sherry, a large quantity that features Mary and child. The The painters, they loved to paint that picture of Jesus. It's often called Madonna and Child, but if you are a kid of the 80s, you can't say that without some kind of imagery or thought, right? But it's Madonna and Child, it's Mary and, and Jesus, and they loved to portray Jesus that way. They would say, that, look, look, here is Mary with Child. Christmas is going to bring us the, the picture of Jesus as a baby, away in a manger, and we all sang a lot, didn't we? No crying he makes. Yes, he did. Right? He's human. He's fully God. He's fully man. But, but Christmas gives us that. right? We see it in uh, ornaments. right? The, the baby Jesus, your Christmas cards will give us that portrait of Jesus, that picture of Jesus, the infant, the child, the baby. We'll see it in movies, etc., etc. But this is not the entire picture of Jesus. right? Jesus is not ultimately defined by one picture, but by the complete picture that the Bible paints. So I ask you a question this morning. What picture do you need to see this Christmas? You may need a great, big, powerful picture of Jesus. And Scripture certainly paints that. I think some people like to keep Christ as a child. Uh, That way it's a picture of Jesus that they can handle. One that's not bold, one that's not confrontational, one that's not commanding. They like to keep Christ as a baby. They're content with the cuddly, stuffed lion toy. They want no part of the real roaring lion of Judah. So leave them with the cuddly babe in a manger. They don't want any part of the confrontational and commanding King of kings and Lord of lords. But this is what we know, right? Is We remind ourselves of this time of year that Jesus didn't remain a child. He grew, he became a man, he's now glorified in heaven, and he, in the book of Revelation, appeared to John. Australian theologian Leon Morris said these words, It is only 
as Christ is seen for what He really is, that anything else can be seen for what it really is. As you open to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see here that Pastor John gives us seven pictures of Jesus in the seven letters to the seven real churches of that day in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And so this morning I want us to think about those pictures of Jesus. The, the, the picture of baby Jesus, it's true, it's right, but it's not the full picture. It's not the complete picture, right? Many will celebrate that picture of Jesus because they say, that's the type of Jesus that I want. The cute, the cuddly, the one that I can actually control and manipulate. I don't want any part of the one that will roar into my life and, and, and confront me. That's the picture that we're going to see uh, in the book of Revelation. Seven pictures of Jesus this morning in Revelation. As you know, John receives a, a vision as he's on the Isle of Patmos, and it's, it's the vision that Christ has for him, and, and he says, John, I want you to write these things. Write the things that are, uh, the things that have been, the things that are, and the things that will be. Write these things to the seven letters, these seven, uh, to the seven churches. These seven churches were on a mail route in the form of a, a crescent shape. From Ephesus to Laodicea, real, real churches of that day. And so John would write. He would, he would write to each church the words of Christ, the message that Christ had for all of those churches. But this year I began to think about those seven letters. In those seven letters you can go through and most of them have some type of uh, commendation. Most of them have some type of critique. He may have a praise for the church. He, he probably has a problem for the church. They all contain a promise. We've, we've preached on these, the seven promises. Uh, but... Also, each church gets a portrait or a picture of Jesus specifically for them. And so that's what I was drawn to. Yeah, I want to think about Jesus in a manger, and I want to think about the baby Jesus, but it's not the complete Jesus because He grew and He he loved and He taught, but He also in, in Revelation appeared and said, this is how I want you to see me. This is the picture that I want to portray. And I think this Christmas, I want to go back to that picture and say, yes, but He's also not just the babe in a manger, He's also this. We're going to look at those seven pictures. If you have your Bible, the first one's found in the letter to Ephesus. I want you to see the picture of Jesus to the church at Ephesus. And of course, it's the picture of Jesus for us because in all the letters he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see right today, let him see. Let's see this picture because it's not just for these groups in Ephesus and Laodicea. It's also for us today. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel, it's just not, that word's not translated, it's transliterated, kind of like amen. Amen is amen. In the, in the Greek, it's amen in English. Angel in the Greek is angel in English. We, we just, we don't translate it, we just move it over. Um, it is meaning messenger, it could mean heavenly messenger, it more likely means physical messenger, uh, perhaps pastor of the church, to the messenger, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. In all of the seven letters, He always opens with these words. The words of Him, it, it, it paints for us a picture of Jesus. And when we come to the picture of Jesus to Ephesus, there are basically three things that we need to note. First, it says the words of Him. Well, who is this person? If we go back to chapter 1, verses 9 through 20, in which I read a section of, we see that it's Jesus. 
Jesus is speaking. Jesus has a message for His people. Jesus has a message to His church. Jesus still has a message, amen, for us today and, and for His people. But he's, he's pictured this way for Ephesus. He's pictured this way in portrait number one. He who holds the seven stars. Number one, the words of Him, it's Jesus. Number two, He holds the seven stars. And we would ask this, well, what are the seven stars? So often in the book of Revelation, we're given pictures, right, imagery, but a lot of times it's defined for us. Go back to chapter 1, verse 20. We're told what the stars are. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, hang on to that one, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we come to chapter 2, verse 1, and the picture of Jesus is it's the words of Him, it's the words of Jesus, and He is holding the seven stars in His right hand, and He is walking among the seven golden lampstands, this picture of Jesus. The seven stars are the seven angels, the seven messengers, perhaps the, the seven leaders, or, or if they are angelic, then, then Jesus is, is seen at holding them. What's that saying? It's saying that Jesus is in charge. Right? This is the picture of Jesus. He is holding the stars with authority. He holds His church. He holds His people. He holds the messengers. Right? He holds the angels. He holds the pastors. He holds you and me. He's got the whole world in His hands as we sing, but He's also got right, the church. This is the picture of Jesus. But He's also seen doing this, walking among the seven menorahs, walking among those seven golden lampstands. Well, what are they? We go back to, back to verse 20 and we see that they are the seven churches. So we see that Jesus is moving freely among His people. He's, he's moving in and out of, of His people. He knows Ephesus. He knows all the way to Laodicea. He knows every church, every people group along that little mailing route. He knows everybody today, right? From, from Zambia to India to Adairsville. And He moves among His people each and every time that we gather. He's with us. He's in charge. It's, it's His church. This is the first picture of Jesus. He's speaking. He is holding. He is walking. He is sovereign. He's sovereign. I mean, I love the picture of, of Jesus in a manger because it emphasizes Christ's humility and that He's with us in, in what He did. But this picture in Revelation is a big, bold picture of Jesus where He's saying in this first picture, I'm sovereign over my people. And I'm also ever with them. He's got you this morning. He's got us. He's got the church. He's, he's in control. He holds it all in His grace grip. He can walk and move into any part of our lives that He desires. He can get in all of our business. That's what the verse is saying. He holds. He moves. I don't want Jesus in my business. I'm content to think of Him as the babe in a manger. Right? He can't move. All He can do is sit there. Right? No, no. He, he, he very much is in control and very much can move into all parts of our lives. I think it's comforting because what it's saying is, is it's saying this, you're not alone this year. You're not alone. He's with you. He sees you. He, he knows you. Jesus today is still very much present. That's a great picture of Jesus. A side note, um, you wouldn't want me to quote C.H. Spurgeon on Christmas or any of the Puritans. They, they did not think much of it. Uh, they did not uh, quite like all that it had, had become. I think today it's, it's, it serves its, 
its purpose. But uh, they, they would make this point that Christ really never told us to remember His birth. He did say, remember my death. And He did say, remember my second coming. So yes, Scripture invites us to remember the birth. But this time of year, there will be people that will celebrate this. They will remember His birth, but they will never stop and remember His death or remember His resurrection. They will never stop and, and remember that He is coming soon. But of all things that we're told to celebrate, that's what we're to celebrate. It's hard. We give Christmas, uh, the, the birth, we give it four Sundays. And in Easter, we just give one. You know, Well, really every Sunday, but you know what I mean. Easter gets, I mean, you know, just a little bit, but Christmas gets so much. But we're, we're called more, really, to remember the, the other. We're, we're called to remember this picture of Jesus. He is in charge. Picture number two, we go to Smyrna, to another group of people modern-day Turkey, right? I believe that city uh, still exists, and um, you, can, you can research these. We've preached on them, so I'm kind of not wanting to preach on all of these. I'd love to. We've done it before. And the second picture is the picture of Jesus to Smyrna. Look at how He's painted or portrayed here in verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died... And came to life. This is the picture of Jesus to Smyrna. You could say that we note two, a twofold description. Number one, he's the first and the last. And number two, he says he's dead and alive. The first and the last, what does that represent, right? The Alpha and the Omega. Really, what it represents is this is that Jesus is the eternal one, he's pre existent. He's the first and he's the last. He's, he's pre existent and he is everlasting. He is the eternal one. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the, the beginning and the end, everything in between. He says, this is the way that I'll portray myself as I speak, as I give you the words, and my, as I'm speaking to this church. It's the one who is the first and the last. See him that way. See him that way. But also, the one who died and came to life. This shows us that he suffered under persecutors, for us. And yet, He lives. He came back to life. He lives as the resurrected one. So we see here, He is pre-existent. It points us to Colossians. He's the first and the last. It also points right to the Gospels and to Acts that He died, that He came back to life, that He is the resurrected one. He's the eternal one. He's the resurrected one. He's alive forevermore. Really, in this picture of Jesus, we, we see our hope. Here is our hope. That He's alive. That He's always existed. That Jesus is life. That the, that the resurrection is true. Here He's portrayed really that Jesus is divine. That He is God. He's the first and the last. You aren't going to stop Him. right? You aren't going to create Him. You aren't going to stop Him. There is no stopping Him. He died and He came back to life. Right? You might could stop a baby. You might could say, well, the baby exists at this point and, and not before, but Jesus is pre-existent. Right? We see it in Colossians and in other places, the first and the last. Right? You, you're not going to stop Him. You're not going to be able to subdue Him. This is the great and big picture of Jesus that says, yeah, I, I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. Forevermore. Picture number three occurs to the church at Pergamum. We see it in chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel, to perhaps the pastor, the leadership, the messenger of that church. Right? Or specifically, right, to the, to the church. Here's the picture of Jesus. The words of Him 
who has the sharp two-edged sword. Here is the picture of Jesus to Pergamum. Number one, he has the sharp two-edged sword. You see a lot of these descriptions in the passage that I ran to read to open in, in Revelation chapter 1. If you go back to verse 16, you see him painted or portrayed or pictured this way. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. So when he writes to Pergamum, he says, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. It's kind of like literally this, this sword of judgment. This is figurative, right? All of this is figurative. It's not literal. It's figurative. It's word pictures to say something. This is the Jesus that, that judges. His word is His judgment. It's His declaration. It is the sharp two-edged sword, the sword of His mouth. You see it in Revelation 1.16. You also see it in the picture of Jesus in Revelation 19. That would be a great one to consider. Don't forget the manger. We'll do that this year. But as we do it, let's not forget Revelation also 19 when he comes back. In 1915, the rider on the white horse says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword from which to strike down the nations. Right, His judging word. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Verse 16 says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Isn't that great? The picture of Jesus to Pergamum is one with the sword of His mouth, that He has the words, the judging word. We need His word, don't we? We need His word to pierce our hearts like a sword. When you consider the swords of earthly armies of then and now versus Christ's sword, you could compare and contrast the two. One condemns and destroys the Russian sword, the Roman sword of John's day. It would condemn and it would destroy. But Christ's sword, it, it condemns but it heals. It gives us the healing. It, it judges our sin as He speaks, right? It's the Word of God. It cuts and it divides. It condemns, in many, but it also brings the, the healing that we need. His is perfect rule. His is perfect reign. Right? Everybody feared the, the Roman sword. That rule, but Jesus is greater. He's greater than any rule. He's greater than any ruler. He's greater than any political party, any government. Jesus is, is big and great. He has the sword. So we see this picture of Jesus, the sword of His mouth. His sword and His word shows us this, that He rules. See Him as the ruler. See Him as the conqueror. That He has a powerful word for His church. He has a powerful message for the world. He has a powerful verdict. We would say this, that Jesus can pierce and conquer anything and anyone. There's nobody that He couldn't get to if he, if he so chooses. This time of year, we think about Bethlehem. We sing about it. We light the Bethlehem candle. Can you think about Herod's sword for Bethlehem? Herod had a sword for all the small boys of Bethlehem. But Jesus, He has a sword for Herod. <laughs> Amen. He has a sword for the whole world. He has the sword of His mouth. We could see in this picture of Jesus that He's not silent. We might like that picture, right? No crying He makes, He's silent. No, here He is speaking. Baby Jesus was silent as to words, but He didn't remain that way, did He? He learned, He grew, He had great powerful words, and here He has the Word and He says, See me this way, 
see me and I've got you and I'm moving and I'm holding and I'm in, I'm in control and know that I'm the first and the last and know that I was dead and I came back to life and know that I have the, the, the right word exactly at the right time. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I love these pictures of Jesus. Uh, picture number, number uh, let's see, that should be number one, two, three, number four. Got it in my notes wrong. It's the picture of Jesus to Thyatira. It's the fourth picture of Jesus to that fourth church. We see it in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of threefold description. The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Did you catch the threefold description? Here Jesus is pictured, He is described as the Son of God, the Divine One. What a great claim in the book of Revelation. One of the unique places where He specifically is, is using that title, He is the Son of God, the words of the Son of God, the Divine One. You see, unlike the Roman emperor, He's the only one who can truthfully make that claim. Many of the Roman emperors and the Caesars would claim that. They would claim to be a son of God. I guess many of the pharaohs and people across time have claimed that. But Jesus is the only one that can truthfully make that claim. He is the son of God. Yes, he's the son of Mary, right? And they would paint him that way, right? They may like to keep... He is the son of God, right? He is the son of man. He is the son of God. The second way he's described here is that he has eyes of fire. The third way is feet of bronze. The eyes of fire and the feet of bronze, he's already been described that way in Revelation 1, 14 and 15. Hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. He's big, he's wise, he's bold, he's in charge. This great picture. Eyes of fire refer to this, his hatred of sin. His hatred of sin. His purifying judgment of sin. He sees all. He tests all. This is a picture that, uh, that I've liked best over the, the weekend. I just can't get this picture of Jesus out of my, my mind's eye. I don't necessarily want to see Him in the, in the hay. It was appropriate, it's right. But balance, but but I'm drawn to this that here Jesus is the Son of God, and when he looks, and even when he looks at me, his eyes are like a flame of fire. That that he he comes and says, Eric, I see the sin and I hate the sin. And I, I I would burn that sin, I would refine that sin. Eric, there's no part of your life that I don't see, and my eyes are like a flame of fire, consuming that sin and judging that sin, and yet, Eric, I've I've provided atonement to take care of that sin burned up on the altar by the right the lambs it's it's gone he sees all he sees you this year he tests you he tests all feet of bronze a real unique word in the in the greek it's a, a unlike any other really description uh, of of what that is that type of um, copper bronze this alloy thing what it means is this perhaps that the the imagery that Christ is having a sure foundation. Feet of bronze, He's in charge. There is this sureness about Him, a sure foundation that He even stomps out 
sin. The Son of God, eyes of fire and feet like bronze. Jesus here's the picture is he's the Son of God. He's solid and sure in everything. He's solid and sure in everything. So we can trust him. We can submit to him. His are the eyes of fire. His feet are the feet of, of bronze. We can submit. When you think about it, Jesus, the Son of God, actually came and He took on human eyes and human feet for us in the manger, in the babe, that, that we could see He had eyes and Mary wiped His tears, right? And, and His hiney too, and, and, and His feet grew for us. It's amazing that the second person of the, the Godhead would do that for, for us. That's something that blows my mind every year. The humility of Christ and the, the emptying of Christ that He would come. He took on eyes and feet and He grew. And those eyes looked and loved and those feet went to all types of different people in the Gospels. And what His eyes and feet show us here is that He's in charge still. He still sees and He still moves and He's still in charge. Picture number five is the picture of Jesus to Sardis. I like Ephesus. I like Sardis a whole lot. I think that has a message for modern day churches. He says, you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Sardis will preach. This is the picture of Jesus to Sardis in chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write the words. Did you notice that? The words of, the words of, the words of, and then we get the portrait. So the picture of Jesus is he's, he's speak. He has a message for us. He wants to speak into our souls and, and into our lives. He has something to say. He still does. He always does. Right? The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Twofold description. He's seen holding or having the seven spirits. What does that mean? Maybe seven meaning completeness. Perhaps he's full of wisdom. Maybe it's a reference, as many would say, to the Holy Spirit's fullness. He has the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold spirits, the full, the, the, the complete spirit. But he's also seen, secondly, holding the seven stars. Again, we said the stars are the, the angels. Again, Jesus is in complete control of the leadership in the church and in the leadership of your life, really. He's again portrayed as the wise one. He has the seven spirits. He is wise. As John would say in chapter 1, his, his hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. This, he is godly and he's, he's full of wisdom. He's wise, he's sovereign, and he's, he's in control. If, if he has fullness of the Spirit, if he has full wisdom, then why not trust Jesus? Why not trust Him this year? Why not trust Him with all of our problems, with all of our, with our issues? We can. He invites His church to do that. Picture number six is the picture of Jesus to Philadelphia. In verse 7, He begins the letter to Philadelphia. They had suffered much. He says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, threefold description, the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Like he says to many of the churches, he'll say these words next, I know you, I know you. I like the picture of Jesus to Philadelphia also. Three or four things here. First he says, the one who is holy. 
The words of the Holy One. He is the Holy One. Holy means set apart. He is the set apart one. He is the set apart Christ, the anointed one. He is the set apart Messiah. See Him that way. He is set apart. He is holy. He is pure. He is different. Secondly, the one who is true. Holy and true often for, uh, uh, um, a phrase for God. He's the true one. The true one. The true Messiah. The real Christ. There were many false messiahs and false Christs. He is the true one. One day there will be an anti-Christ, an anti-Messiah, but He is the Holy One. He is the true one. He is the pure one. He is the real one. And I love this picture. One who says He has the key of David. He's holding the key of David. He has the key of the house of David, the key of the kingdom. He's from the line of David. He was born in the city of David. He's read for us, Bethlehem. He has the key of David. He holds power of admission and excommunication in the kingdom, right? You may be a key holder for your job or your company or your work. If you are a key holder, you have power and authority and responsibility, don't you? You have the key. You have the power. I have the key. The authority. You can close and you can shut down. You can admit and you can lock up. He's seen this way. The one who opens and shuts. He has access into the kingdom of God. He's showing us this portrait of Jesus, this picture of Jesus, that He is all-powerful and sovereign. That He is the genuine Messiah. That Jesus is truly different from all others that came before Him and any that would come after. He's real powerful. He can admit anyone into the kingdom. He can refuse anyone entrance. He can say, depart from me. I never knew you. I love this picture of David's line who has the key. As the true Messiah... You can't interfere with the one true powerful doorkeeper. He has ultimate power. He has the key of heaven. He has the key on earth. He has the key over death. He has the key over hell. <laughs> right? He has, he has all the keys. I have the key of heaven. I have the key of earth. I have the key of death, he said. I have the key of Hades. Right? This is what he said in verse 18. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades, but also of heaven and earth. He has the key of David, right? You can't interfere. We don't get to have that authority or that privilege, but He does. He's the Holy One, the true one. He's powerful. The seven letters close. Oh, read them. Notice the person, the praise, the problem, the prescription, the possible judgment. Notice the promise. Those are the great P's of each of these. You can find them in all of these. But Laodicea is the last one. It has a lot of problems <laughs> to it, right? No real praise really here for them. But the picture of Jesus, the person of Jesus, here's how he's portrayed, right? As we go through the little pictures of the seven pictures of Jesus. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of another threefold description. The Amen. The faithful and true witness the beginning of God's creation. This is how John paints him, how he's painted by the angels, by the vision to the, to the church at Laodicea. Number one, Jesus is the amen. Amen means amen in the original. It means this, true. Amen indicates also that he's God. One commentator says this, this indicates his sovereignty 
and the certainty of His promises. He is amen, He is God. He is amen, it's true, it's certain what He says. He is the amen, the words of the amen. Secondly, it says He's the faithful and true witness. He's the faithful and true martyr. He's the faithful and true witness. He's faithful and true in all that He says. He's faithful and true in all that He does. It's saying this, He's completely trustworthy. He's the faithful witness. He's the faithful one. He's the, the true one. He's totally reliable. We can rely on Him this year in all of our years. The words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness. Thirdly, He says, the beginning of God's creation. It takes us back again to Colossians. He is preeminent. He's the beginning of the creation of God. It means that He's first, that He's supreme, that He's exalted over all. This is how we're to see Him. It indicates His priority over all creation, that He is ruler. He's truly over all. He's powerfully over all. He's the beginning of God's creation. Not, not meaning that the first one existed. He's existed from all times. It, it means that He is over all. He's number one. He's first. He's exalted. This is the picture of Jesus. So on this really first, I guess, of the, of the Christmas messages this year, this is what I, I felt led to, to go to and to say just before we set it all up, before we go to Bethlehem and we look at Joseph and we look at Mary and, and before we look at Jesus breaking the silence and we look at the King of, of Christmas on Christmas Day, let's just keep this in our minds and go, yes, but... When we see Him on the Christmas card, when we see Him on the ornament, when we think baby Jesus and we go, oh, that's nice, right? And we think, yes, everybody likes the, the cuddly lion stuffed toy that they play with. And just don't be content to, to let Him stay that way. Let Him roar and come alive and be the Lion of Judah. Let Him come out of the manger and let Him step into our lives in this way with eyes of fire and say, I've got the keys and yes, see me this way. Remember my birth, oh yes, but, but remember my death. Remember me glorified and exalted, right? Remember that I'm coming again. Remember when we see Jesus next. This is how, how we'll see Him, right? But Revelation has actually done this. And, and I thought about this. Revelation has actually shown us that the Christmas story came true. Take your Bible and go to Luke. Go to Luke chapter 1. Lest I be considered like this Puritan and this Grinch and not give you a little bit of the Christmas story, right? <laughs> He's showing us, no, it's true. It all came to pass. Just as the prophet said, just as the prophecy said long ago, but even to Mary it came true. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 35. I don't even think I put that in the computer because it was something that God showed me uh, later on over the weekend as I was meditating on it. I said, how could we miss this? Remember what the angel says to Mary? Luke 1.30. Five-fold kind of a prediction promise prophecy here. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be, number one, great. Great. Did you just see that in Revelation? I sure did. And he will be called, number two, the Son of the Most High. Did we not see that in Revelation? And the Lord God will give to him, number three, the throne of his father David. 
Did we not just see that? That he has the keys of David. The keys of the king. He certainly has a throne in Revelation. If you don't think that, go in the book of Revelation and see how that word throne occurs over and over. Everything either comes from the throne or goes to the throne. It's all about the throne in Revelation. That's an interesting study. Thronos, the Greek word. And he will reign. That's continuing with the throne, the reign. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Revelation shows us a big picture of Jesus on the throne reigning. Not just over David's house and Jacob's house, but over the whole world. And of his kingdom, that throne and reign and kingdom, all part of the same thing. There'll be no end. Now, would you not admit, Revelation just showed us that. It came true. This is the prophecy, Mary. And yeah, you're going to wrap him in swaddling cloths and you're going to put him in a manger, but he's not going to exactly... He's actually going to come into this. He'll be great, number one. He'll be number two, the son of the Most High. Number three, he'll have a throne and he will rule and reign and he will have a kingdom. Verse 34, keep going because we're not done. And he, Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called, watch the last two, Holy, the Son of God. Did Revelation not say he's the Holy One? He is. We just saw he is holy. Eyes of fire, Eric. Feet of bronze. He is holy. He is the Holy One, but He was also called, right, in that, that one letter, He's the Son of God. The Son of God. So as I go back over the Christmas story, I really go to Revelation and go, yeah, that really kind of was a Christmas message to the seven. Because what He was saying is, and it all came to pass. He just didn't stay the babe. He, he, all those things, being great, being the Son of the Most High, with a throne, a reign, and a kingdom, being holy, being the Son of God, it all came true. It all is true. Still to this day, amen? That's exciting. Yes, see Him at Christmas. But let's see him this way. In closing, I just wrote these words. The, the picture of Jesus as a baby is one where baby Jesus humbly and willingly submits to mankind. Right? We could say for, for mankind. The picture of Jesus to the seven churches is one where Jesus submits to none. All mankind must submit to him. Many people aren't comfortable with this picture of Jesus. They prefer the one where Christ submits to them. How will you picture Christ this Christmas? See Him as a baby. But don't forget, He is big and bold. In the future, we won't see Jesus as a baby. We'll see Him more like this description. All-powerful. Supreme. So this year, may you know Jesus in the manger. May you know Jesus on the cross, but may you know Jesus as Revelation describes Him. Today, see Jesus, and don't worry, He sees you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all praise be unto Jesus Christ. He's our Lord, He's our Savior. Lord, we all gladly in this place bear the name of Christ we're glad to be called Christians, Christ followers, disciples of Christ. We are glad to be called the Christian church. Lord, that we love Jesus. And Lord, this year we're going to love Jesus. Father, we're going to love that you sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Almighty God, we want to see Jesus in His humility, but we know that his humility doesn't last forever. After the cross and after our salvation, it's all about His exaltation. 
and Christ is exalted. And we want to see Jesus this way. Lord Jesus, you have freedom to move into all of our lampstands. You have the ultimate power to, to pierce all of our hearts. May you do so. King Jesus, you have the keys and may we submit to you. May we, may we rest in your sovereignty and may we know that you do see us. You see all of our sins. You see all of our hurts. You see all of our mistakes. You see all of our joys and all of our blessings. And yet you love us and you remain and you are coming again. We thank you, King Jesus, that your second advent is near and we will remember it. Lord, we, we love you today and we continue to just uh, submit to you and ask that you would mold us and you would make us into exactly the Christian that you would have us to be. And so, Lord, uh, in the next weeks, few weeks, the next Sundays, um, Lord, may you work in a mighty, powerful way um, in this lampstand, in this local church. Uh, may, may you bring the fullness of the Spirit into our hearts, Lord, that we would be uh, impacted in such a different and great way. We love you. In Jesus Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.